Yeah, it's going to be a little abnormal. I like to run around. Some of you have heard me before, but uh, i got to stay still and know that he is still here. Amen. And, uh, you know, I was uh, uh, thinking that about a month ago, I went back into the home. My wife's a director. She's got the best director in the outreach. You know, and uh, Arlene's been like the head the assistant director, and my son's been like the head staff. My daughters have been like the staff. I think I'd like to be a head staff. My son don't do nothing. Anyways, I'm going to ask you now to get your Bibles up to John chapter 1, verse 40 to 42. When I was in Bible college, they taught me, preach every sermon like if it's your last. I rebuked that. Not, to, not today. Do you have it? The title of my sermon is One of Sonny's Guys. That's why I wanted to preach this sermon. Oftentimes I've spoken a lot on loyalty. This is somewhat like loyalty, but it's also a commitment that uh, as a member of Victory Outreach, as a leader of Victory Outreach, as a pastor, you're going to have to make this commitment. Okay, and, and you'll, you'll find out what I'm talking about throughout the, the sermon here. But one of Sonny's guys, John chapter 1, verse 40. Andrew, Simon Peter's brother. I could stop there, but I want to read on to verse 42. Andrew, Simon Peter's brother, was one of the two who heard what John had said and who had followed Jesus. The first thing Andrew did, the first thing, that's important for the sermon, the first thing Andrew did was to find his brother, Simon, or Peter, and tell him, we have found the Messiah, that is the Christ, and he brought him to Jesus. Let us pray. Father, I pray, Lord, for your word to go out and produce fruit 30, 60, 100 fold that would embed itself, Lord God, in the hearts of these precious men, Lord God, that have such a future like my daughter was talking about. But Lord, in order to obtain that future, we're going to have to retain it. Retain has to do with fighting, Lord God, like a heavyweight champion fight. We're going to have to be champions of the spirit. Touch all of us. We ask it in Christ's name. And everybody together said, Amen. Amen. Okay. When I was in the home three days, uh, I wasn't saved yet. I didn't get saved till Sunday. This was on a Saturday. We uh, were there in the home and word got out. We had about 25 guys then. And word got out that they were going to be going to a city called Fillmore. A lot of you never heard it. And, uh, and we were there in East L.A. But I was from a community nine miles away from Fillmore, Santa Paula. 
And, uh, you know, we wanted to go, but back in those days we had a van, 25 guys, the van fit, seven. And everybody had their Thompson Chase reference Bible. Move over, make room for my Bible, you know? You needed a rubber band to get the thing going over the hill. So they didn't want to go. And I said, Fillmore, man, that's right by my hometown. And they said, Con más ganas, well, you're not going to go for sure. You know, you got $10 on the books, buddy. You know, you know dolphins, no dolphins, you know. But I had already, wasn't saved you, but I had already made a commitment. I said, no, 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 I'll, I'll, I'll stay, man. I want to go, I want to go. And, uh, uh, no, they said, we can't. They said, hey, one of the, some of the guys said, hey, there's a prayer room right there. Go in there and pray, maybe God will do it. I said, yeah, maybe. I, I didn't know how to pray. I went in there and got on my, no. I knelt down like this, you know, real cool. Like if I was in front of the pool hall. But I began to talk to God. You know, and I was there praying, and I wasn't there about maybe 10 minutes, all of a sudden I get a knock. Hey, you, from Santa Paula, we're going to go. I said, oh, that's nice. I want to take you. That's really nice. So we got in the van, and we were able to go, and Butch was the director's son. I don't know if you remember, it was uh, 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 Raul Garcia's church, he rented it right there on Main Street in Fillmore. It, it ain't that main. And we got there late, and we, we, we were the last ones there. I was the last one out of the van with an individual that grew up in Clover. And uh, there was no seats, it was packed. They had the choir the Victory Voices, and uh, Sonny was going to speak. It was just jam-packed, standing room. But they had two seats in the front. And they took us to the front. I didn't know what was happening. I'd never been in church as far as when I was younger. And so we're in there, we're sitting down, and I'm tripping out. And I'm just, you know, tripping. <laughs> and then they were to pick up the offering. And the pastor goes and he says, you know, we're going to pick up an offering and all the money's going to go towards the Victory Voices, the choir pastor's son, he worked there. And all of a sudden he stops. And he looks at me. And he was like, where Philip's sitting at right now, he goes, Steve, is that you? <laughs> yeah. And I used to play basketball when I was, I, I knew him, you know, I was his uh, brother was one of my best friends. And he tells everybody, man, give money, man. Look at it, it's already working. He's <laughs> uh, uh, in the hole. But when he said, Steve, is that you? The guy next to me looks at me like big old eyes. I didn't know who he was. And he trips. Who's this guy? It was Pastor Sonny. I was sitting right next to him. That day, that day, God spoke to my heart audibly. He says, you're going you're to be next to this man all your life. And you're going to help this man all your life. Here in John chapter 1, it says, Andrew, 
who was known only as Simon Peter's brother. That's it. Andrew, Simon Peter's brother. Now that's not too appealing to be known as somebody else's shadow. Pale. I don't want to say it in Spanish. <laughs> Philip would. Me and my shadow. Now, when I was growing up, my brother who was younger than me, played sports as well. I ended up being an all-American football player. But whenever we were kids, whenever I was going to go play something with my friends or something, my mom would always say, take your brother. Oh, man. Take your brother. You know, and that's how he got good, playing with older guys. But he despised that. See, most younger siblings can identify and understand what I'm talking about. To be known as somebody else's brother. Now, before this can happen and occur to anyone, it can be a big shock to their pride and to their ego. To simply be identified and connected to a bigger man. Difficult. It kills a lot of people's egos. Uh, to be known as one of Sonny's guys. What was your identity? Leonard Bernstein was asked one time, what is the hardest instrument to play? Right away he said, second fiddle. Second fiddle. See, it's a little easier now to lose yourself under Sonny's ministry and under his call. I said a little easier. I didn't say it was easier. Back in my day, we only had two, two churches. Now we've got all kinds. So it's a little bit easier now to be known as one of Sonny's guys. But it's still not easy. See, I've seen a number of guys battle with this only to lose the fight throughout my 30 years here. Second fiddle takes a lot of sacrifice. It takes a big man uh, to submit to a bigger man. It takes a big man to submit to a bigger man. And sacrifice has to do a lot with death, dying to yourself. Andrew, Simon Peter's brother. See people, pride is the result of having confidence in self. But humility is a result of having confidence in God. I repeat, pride is the result of having confidence in self, but humility is the result of having confidence in God. Wives know this quite a bit. Women submit. But wives have to battle this monster. Oh, that's so-and-so's wife. That's, you know, Stefan's girlfriend. Girlfriend? I know Greg. Holy, don't play that. <laughs> Henrik's girlfriend. No! What you be talking about? He said in the front row, Henrik, isn't there? You know, sorry. He ain't all that anyway. Let me tell you again, not just any girlfriend can play second fiddle. But today I want to seriously raise a question. Is second fiddle really all that bad? 
Is humility really not a hot commodity? Can living under a great shadow uh, be so destructive? Not at all. But it can be quite a compliment. Quite a big, big accomplishment playing second fiddle. Big accomplishment. Which many, many, many have been unable to accomplish to their detriment and the detriment of others, their children. You heard my daughter today. Uh, Andrew, like you and I, had his place within the overall awesome plan of God. There in John 141, as we look at this awesome call and plan God had for this man, it says, Andrew first findeth his brother Simon. First. See, the first of many other things he was going to do. Did you hear what I said? He first. He had a lot of things to do. God had a big plan for him. But he had to play second fiddle. I've been able to accomplish a number of stuff. Thanks to Pastor Sonny and the elders and the men of God that have come before us. First, you've got plenty to do, guys. He first finds his brother. See, there's always plenty of significant things to do when you're a Christian. Good and plenty. A lot of stuff. Pastor Richard was in the Philippines now. He first went to Barcelona. Uh, first. Pastor Max from Portland first ran a home in Madera. And that ain't Madera. <laughs> See, according to John 141, Peter owes all he is and has to his humble brother, Handy Andy. If there was no Andrew, there'd be no Peter. Andrew was the force God used to bring mighty Peter to Christ. Andrew. Simon Arzola, who led me to the Lord, led a lot of guys back in the days before he died. Uh, he, 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 I remember sometimes I'd go preach in a prison, in a jail, and he'd be with me, and he had led me to the Lord, brought me to, to Victory Outreach. And many times he said, Steve, I, I, I can't preach. You preach, but I'll testify. He knew that he could play second fiddle. Now, last year we had a 20-year banquet. And then the, our region bought us a cruise. Okay? Now, by chance or by God, I say it's by God, we happen to be in the biggest boat cruising the seven seas you know it happened by chance but I think it was the Lord took my children with me it was great but in one of the ports we were at there this big old huge boat biggest sailing ship in the world because of the way the port was built couldn't get out of the port it had to rely on a little bitty tugboat to get it out Little bitty tugboat. Uh, big old ship. It had to be helped out to sea by a humble little tugboat. And once the, the, the boat's out to sea, it's back to harbor for the little tugboat. Back to where it belongs. And with Peter, that's about the same thing that happened. It took a little humble Andrew to pull a big mighty Peter from his hell-anchored life 
the bigger man tugged to the wide open seas where his life could branch out and be a blessing and launch out to where it could be most effective by a little tugboat. We often don't hear about a guy named Chino, but Sonny knows who he is because some of you have read the book. I think we asked Julie the other day, whatever happened to Chino? She goes, I don't know what happened after this, but he's the one that brought Pastor Sonny to the Team Challenge Center. Ah, little tugboat. Getting a big old ship and someday was going to sail the seas. Matter of fact, I call it, I almost titled the sermon Sonny of the Seas. Latin cruises. Uh, but that's what it took. Uh, the biggest boat could sail uh, the inner cities of the world. That's what Chino did. He brought this big t boat to be able to sail out of the inner cities of, the, of this planet. Uh, a young man. Without Chino, there would be no sunnies. Some of you may never go to the foreign field. Hopefully many of you will. But many of you are going to be tugboats, sending people out there. Don't get all jealous and ram, man, look at this. No, no, no. Be content with your lot. It is well with your soul. Uh, you're going to be you know, giving offerings, doing this, that, and the other. Helping the bigger ships go out there. And represent Victory Outreach in Jesus Christ. Today I propose to you that there are two types of great men in this world. First are the Sonnies, the Peters, the Billy Grahams, the Nicky Cruz. These are the men who create legends. They create legends. Then secondly, you have the great men who create legendary men. That help create legendary men. That's why what you're doing in the homes, guys, and if you're a home director, some guys are going to pass you up, so to speak. Uh, but don't get all bent out of shape. It could be another big boat that's going to help out our ministry. Uh, You could produce a Popeye in the spirit. Uh, but these second kind of great men, these are the, the Simon Peter's brothers. See, some of Sonny's guys, Chino, Sam Marzolas, Benny Hinn's brothers, maybe even you and I, tugboats. See, God only knows which of the two types of great men are more valuable and indispensable. Because the Bible says, great in the sight of the Lord. Not in the sight of men. In the Olympics, only one person can win the gold medal per event. Not with God. We can all win. Great in the sight of the Lord is what we need to strive for. What does God think about that? Uh, see, but we'll never find out who's the greatest until we get into God's presence. Uh, you know, I'm dealing here with, with humility. I read the other day about Dr. David Livingston. A lot of you have heard about him. 
He's a great man. He was pretty wealthy, but he paid his own way to be a missionary in Africa. He used to live in the deepest parts of Africa. And when he would travel, he would travel by train. And he'd go to different villages and helping people as a doctor, but also as a preacher. And whenever he would travel, he would get on a train, he would always travel fourth class. And he had the box. He could have gone first, he could have gone second. Always would travel fourth class and mingle there with the people. Quite a missionary. Huh? Then one day somebody asked him, Dr. Livingston, why do you always travel fourth class? I like his answer. Because there's no fifth class. Uh, see, it doesn't matter who does the job, as long as the job gets done. Really. That's one of my sayings that most telling our guys and our, our girls. It doesn't matter who does the job. Don't get all bent out of shape. Uh, you'll get an opportunity. Uh, but it doesn't matter who does the job as long as the job gets done. Why does God want all the glory? Because He can handle it. I've been taught, man, uh-uh. Some of you have been around me a little while. This is the way I act. You know, I could, I, when I was in the streets and when I was in the world, when I was in jails and prisons, I ran with some rough dudes. But I, ever since I got saved, I don't know what happened to me. So, but, you know, when I'm preaching, I'm preaching. This is, this is what God's telling me to do. But the minute I get out of here, you know, because I've been taught to leave the glory here. Don't mess with the glory. It can, it can mess with you. Uh, God gets all the glory. Uh, see Andrew as well as all of Andrews he had to come to grips uh, that Peter had a much more prominent call upon his life than himself uh, two gifted versus five gifted see if Andrews don't play second fiddle, uh, then you should just stop fiddling around. If you don't want to play second fiddle and you're called to be second fiddle and you don't want to do it, let it go. Somebody bigger than you will pick it up. Uh, somebody that's going to make the team look good. Somebody that's going to make the orchestra sound great. Because we're a team victory outreach. We're a team. And for the sake of the team, we've got to let it go. See, we should, we should rejoice in the fact that God has called us and counted us worthy to be in ministry, to even contribute to the overall plan of His ministry and victory outreach. I thank God that I have had opportunity and have opportunity to minister within this ministry. Precious, precious ministry. You know what one of Sonny's guys, I believe, has a handle on this area and enjoys like nobody's business watching Sonny shine? You know which guy? This person has no problem playing second fiddle. They have come to grips with this issue quite some time ago. 
And this person's name is Julie Argentoni. Julie's always the first to honor and to laud, to submit to Pastor Sonny's vision. Always. I, 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 every time I've been there. Oh, sweetie, you were so good. Uh, wasn't my honey good? Even Julie is one of Sonny's guys. She's right there back to back. Uh, back in Pastor Sonny in prayer. Even when one of her sons or daughters speaks, she's there. A tugboat of tugboats. Some of you don't know this story, but it doesn't matter what time it is, right? Thank you. Uh, I tell my kids, what time is it? Time to get a watch, Dad. <laughs> Excuse me. Got <laughs> yet. I don't know if I've ever told this story, but one day I went to Pastor Sonny and Julie's house many, many years ago, and we were there. I think he was having a Bible study. He, was, he had a Bible study in his house. He had all the hardcore guys from the church. Charlie Brown. Uh, all these different guys. And Julie says, look, I just got this letter here. Just came in the, the mail today. and I, It's quite a letter. And she had Charlie Brown read it to all of us. Powerful letter. When I write my book on the history of Victoria, this will be in the introduction. It said, are you, I was watching TBN the other day and there was a host by the name of Sonny Argonzoni. If that's you, I want to know. He said, because I am now the presbyter here in Florida of the Church of God in Christ and prophecy, all that stuff, I don't know, you know. <laughs> He's coming soon and don't turn your blink your eye and all that stuff, ministries, you know. But I am the presbyter there. And I want to know if your mother's name was Georgina. Because many years ago in Brooklyn, New York, your mother used to preach on street corner six days a week, same street corner. And I, we'd go by and we'd laugh, we'd mock, but one day God touched me, seeing your perseverance talking about Christ to everybody, the same street corner all the time. Except on Sundays, you'd be in church. And I want to know if that you're the son of Yagazoni. And if you are, I want you to know this, that your mother preached for all these years until you were born. The day you were born, she stopped preaching in the street corners and devoted her entire life to you. A tugboat getting a mighty ship ready for the seven seas. You know, humility, humility is quite a commodity. And not too many people can get it. 
Reminds me of a joke. I haven't told a joke yet. <laughs> About a frog who used to hang around with eagles. And, you know, he sort of felt like he was an eagle. He'd rap and what I like, all that stuff, you know, say, you know, he was with the fellas. The only thing is, when it came time for them to go, they'd fly off and there'd be frog. Man. See you later, frogagator, you know. <laughs> they were gone. And he wanted to be with his, his partners, but he couldn't fly. So then one day he says, you know what, man, I know. He got a big old, you know, piece of wood, and he put it in his mouth. And he tells the guy, listen, one of you eagles get it on this side with your feet, you know, clap it. The other one was on this side with your feet and clamp it. And I'll go with you guys. <laughs> uh, off we go into wild blue yonder. And it worked. He started going, he was like three, he was like, oh man, no trick. He was flying with eagles, you know. His partner. I don't know when there was this little old lady, little old man. The little old man looked up and says, Honey, look at that strange thing. And it's two eagles and they're holding a, a frog. And the frog's flying with the eagles. I wonder who thought of that. And the frog goes, I did. <laughs> Not too humble. <laughs> Pride comes before fall. And the higher you go, the harder you can fall, guys. Put it on the cloak of humility, because the Bible says we've got to put it on like a, it's like a coat. It's not easy. The Christian life requires constant maintenance. And through the years, I've seen a number of men and women who were unable to cultivate and maintain the life of humility within our ministry. They're not here today. Great guy. Couldn't be humble. Pride and ambition get the better of them. Second fiddle was just too hard to accept. They wanted to be fiddler on the roof. Not in the basement. Hmm. They wanted to play lead guitar with all the glamour, the glitter, the girls, the guys, the glory. Story of a black scientist named George Washington Carver, great man. Quite an inventor. One day he wakes up and says, God, I want to know everything about the universe. God said, no, that's too big. Try something else. God, I want to know something about the I want to know everything about the solar system. Try another one, God told him. Too big for you, buddy. God, I want to know everything about planet Earth. Sorry. God, I want to know everything about North America. Nope, still too big. God, I want to know everything about Mississippi. Nope. 
still too much. God, I don't want to know everything about my hometown. No, still too much. Finally, he says, you know what, God? All right. I want to know everything about the peanut. George Washington Carver discovered 306 ways to use a peanut. Understand, people, there's great power and humility. Submit yourself to God. Resist the devil. He'll flee. There's a lot of power and humility. I found that out the, 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 the fifth day I was in the home. They had me wash dishes. I had to be, you know, I, I ate a taco on a Sunday and I went to church and I got saved and I was all happy. And we had a three-story home, but my brother Rivera used to run the home. And I was a little after that. And then they wake me up. Hey, go check your name. It's on the KP list. Right at the top, said dishes, Pineda. I said, oh, man. And at that time, we had a, we had like a apron. I said, oh, this is for Ruka. <laughs> I had to humble myself. And then you know what, ladies? You guys get conned. The name of the dish soap was Joy. But I had to do it. That day, the devil had to flee for a season. Because he discipled me to be a proud, proud guy. Like most of you. Say amen. amen. I was talking to the ladies. But you know what submission means in the Greek women? Submit yourself to your husband. You know what it means? It means get yourself in rank. It's a military term, to fight the devil. That's what submit means. Uh, there's power in humility. Uh, see, but through my nearly 30 years here with Victory Outreach and Pastor Sonny, again, I've seen a number of people who didn't humble themselves, who couldn't submit to the voice of God, and thus the devil didn't flee. He messed with it. Mess with him. Who's Pastor Sonny anyway? Huh? He looks like a galacho. <laughs> Can't see. Uh, they, they listened to the enemy and they caught an attitude. Uh, who are the elders? Man. Uh, they didn't want to be one of Sonny's guys. They wanted to be their own guy. They really missed the ability in humility. They missed the ability found in humility and the power of submission. Andrew, one of Simon Peter's brothers. Uh, turn to First Samuel 30 and I'm going to be closing here. 
First Samuel 30. Beginning there in verse 17, 18, and 19, and 20. He led David. That's verse 16. 17, David fought. Verse 18, David recovered. Uh, David David brought everything. In verse 20, he took all the flocks and herds and his men and drove them ahead of the others, other livestock, saying, this is David's plunder. David didn't do a thing. The 600 men that he had with him did it all. David didn't do a thing. But he'd already trained those guys. Officers that were ambidextrous. They could play the rebote with both hands. Bah, bah. Uh, they were bad motor scooters. Uh. See, David didn't do a thing. Uh. But it only mentions one man's name, David. We have a Davidic anointing. He was pastor study. Really. If you've got a call of God upon your life and you want to participate in this ministry or any ministry, it's important to learn humility and submission to your leaders. Learn to walk in the shadows away from the limelight and the lamplight. Really. Be content. Where God has you. Pastor Sonny's always taught us, be content, never satisfied. Be content, but never satisfied. Now, says Andrew, Simon Peter's brother, he sure plays a mean second fiddle. He makes the orchestra sound so good. Uh, there's nothing wrong with being connected to a bigger individual. I, no, it's okay, I'm fine. Want me to tap that? I needed to preach a sermon, Sonny. Thank you. And I know, I know it's hard for him. It's only, thank you. I knew I was going to be speaking here. And I wanted to speak this one. Pastor Sonny was supposed to catch a flight out. I didn't want to beg him, but I almost did. He's, but he's on his own. He said, I'm going to stay. But when I was in the hospital, and I see you, 
was real difficult to pray. It was difficult for all kinds of stuff. I was there five days. I had so many IVs. He hope The nurses would come in. It's going to hurt. Come on. And, uh, but God gave me this illustration. Right here. I'm going to close with this. When I was 16 years old, I began to run cross country. Actually, 17. I only ran for two years. And in my county back in 1967 or 68, we had the top runners in all of America. The top five times in all of the United States, three of them, three of them belonged to men in, in our county. And in the top ten, we had another couple guys. And I had just started running. I wasn't that good. But I wanted to aspire to be good. One of the best guys in the whole, he had like a second best time. Couldn't beat this one guy from Chiquis. Couldn't beat one guy from Oxnard. They were close. He, he would beat him sometimes. He would beat him sometimes. And if we keep that up, he might beat him today. You know? Eddie Ramirez, I don't know if you know the name. John Castle. We had a guy named Chuck Smead in our, in our place. They used to have some great races. And me and Raul Garcia's brother, Gilbert, we were running and we'd, we'd practice with a guy named Chuck Smead. He ended up winning the 1972 silver medal for the marathon in the Pan Am Games, 72. And we ran with him every day, twice a day. Sometimes it would just be he and I. And we, we had 10-mile courses, 12-mile courses. And we'd run and we'd run and we'd run. And during the times when we would practice, we would go together. He could go ahead of me, but he would stay with me. Because he wanted somebody to talk to. He just wanted somebody there. We were running out there in the, you know, the orchards. And so we, we wanted, you know, even at nighttime, late, we'd be running. So as we'd be running there, come to the end of the 12-mile, 10-mile practice session, then we knew we were getting close, then we would race. Then we would race. And uh, I can't remember ever beat him. I think I beat him once, but I couldn't. This guy was bad to the bone. The guy had air. Quite a pair of lungs. Though getting near the end, we'd, also, we'd make that, you know, that, that dash. About a mile before, half a mile before, whenever we'd make our move. But he'd always win. He was a world-class runner. I was just up and coming. When we'd have the races, we'd race all these big guys. You know, when the medals were on the line, the trophies were on the line, he wouldn't even think about me. It was time for the conference, buddy. Uh, it's time for the big one. I got to get this medal, Steve. I got to beat this guy. I got to beat that guy. You know, but I remember almost every race, he'd usually always win or come in second behind that guy. But after every race, I remember because I could see him far away. <laughs> but I could see him. And what he would do is 
he'd remember, he'd be, ah, you know, okay, one. All of a sudden, he'd go, he's 